Good morning. My name is Evan. My wife, Sandy, right there. Uh, she and I have the joy of leading this church with Aaliyah and Matt and the rest of the team. Like Aaliyah said, we're walking through 1 Corinthians. So if you could open to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, this 2,000-year-old letter written by Paul to Corinth. Corinth was a lot like California, tons of wealth, entertainment capital, a place known all over the world for opportunity and success and all of the problems that go with that. Celebrity cults, political division, classism. And so Paul's writing this letter to keep the church together and to keep the church unified around Jesus and showing the rest of their city how good Jesus is through their unity. And in the middle of our divided world, you guys, in our hurting world, we, here we are, right here. We're gathered. We're the church of Jesus, the new family of God, empowered by his spirit. Empowered, you guys, animated by the breath of God in the sails of our lives to be the love of God in the world. That's who we are. And we do this by submitting to the scriptures, right? Submitting to the scriptures because they mediate Jesus's authority over us. And also that is for loving each other well. That's the goal of all of this. And through us united and loving each other well, the world sees what the world longs for. The world sees the love of the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit. That's what Paul's talking about here. And, and what he's talking about here are what's commonly known as spiritual gifts, right? He's gonna get into spiritual gifts. The thing the spirit wants to do to animate us toward each other in love. He's gonna list specific ways the spirit manifests miraculously all through all of our giftings, through each of you. God wants to animate spiritual gifts in each of you, not just the super special or whatever. Each of you has a gift to bring and no single gift is superior to any other gift. We're meant to be one united symphony, a divine orchestra, and the spirit is conducting and empowering the notes through your life, all to show God's self-giving love to the world. Are you guys in? Okay, this is where Paul's about to take us. So last week, if you missed it, pick up the, the podcast. We went through the story arc of the Spirit through the Old Testament, through the prophets and through Jesus' life and through the early church to us and how the Spirit is animating us to be God's love in the world. And so this brings us to 1 Corinthians 12, you guys. We're gonna read it, starting in verse one. You ready? 1 Corinthians 12, verse one, Paul says, now about the gifts of the Spirit, and remember from last week, the word gifts isn't in this verse in the original language. It's just now about the spirituals. That's the word he uses. We don't have the word spirituals, or at least we don't use it in English. But for Paul in Greek, spirituals meant stuff the spirit does. He's like, about all the things the spirit wants to percolate in this community, I want you to know about it. I want you to know. I don't want you to be ignorant, he says. And so uh, he says, the rest of verse one through three, he says, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who's speaking by the spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Okay, what's going on here? Wait, wait, wait. I thought Paul was talking about stuff the spirit does. So why is he getting into like paganism? and idols and cursing Jesus. What is this? It got dark really quick. Um, Paul wants to make very clear 
right away that there are legit spiritual experiences that come from places other than the Spirit of God. Did you hear me? There are spiritual experiences to be had in the world that come from other sources than the Holy Spirit. This is what Paul wants us to know. And he says it's vital that we know the difference. So, I mean, welcome to San Diego, right? Where like we have a buffet of spiritual experiences. Just Google spiritual and like in maps, hundreds of things come up. Um, I just did a quick Google this morning and they have like, you can, there's a cave of wonders in San Diego. And there, there's a holistic mystic. That's my favorite title. Rolls off the tongue. And there's one called the divine bubble where um, the, the slogan is heal your way. Um, and all I could think of, I mean, they're probably great people, 100%. I'd love to get to know them. But all I could think of, I'm so glad my doctor doesn't say that. <laughs> like, that's amazing. Uh, um, uh, I want a doctor who knows how to do it the right way or whatever. So, uh, Paul, Paul's, so here's the point. Paul kicks off this chapter on spiritual experiences, spiritual manifestations. And he's saying there's plenty out there that don't come from God. There may even bring, they may even bring healing, like totally legit healing. They may even bring insight or mental clarity or whatever benefits, but they're actually rooted in the kingdom of darkness, which is opposed to the kingdom of God, which is all about Jesus as Lord. So how do you know the difference, Paul? Um, he gives a simple test. Verse three, is Jesus Lord? In other words, is the declaration, Jesus is Lord, both the root and the goal of the experience. So not just mouthing Jesus is Lord, but actually Jesus is the authority of my whole person as a human. Every facet of me, mind, body, soul, sexuality, relationships, money, all of that, Jesus is the authority. So is the root, Jesus is Lord, but also is the goal, Jesus is Lord. Like is the goal of this spiritual gift or activity, manifestation, healing, is the goal that people would ultimately confess and find eternal healing in Jesus forever. Is that the goal or is the goal just power? Uh, just because someone has a gift that seems powerful doesn't mean it's authentically Christian or from the Holy Spirit. Perfect example, you should totally check out this story later, Acts chapter 8. The gospel is spreading through the Middle East and Philip brings the gospel to Samaria and there's this sorcerer who becomes a believer. He's even baptized, but he never gives up sorcery. His name's Simon. As a sorcerer, the goal for Simon was the gift itself and more gift and more power was the goal. Uh, but as a child of God, the goal is entirely different. The goal of the gift is not more of the gift. It's more of God. That's the goal of the gifts of the Spirit. It's more of Jesus and more of intimacy with God. Not more power, understand. So the gift is supposed to reveal Jesus. So case in point from like modern times, in recent years, we've seen waves of like high profile, gifted people, usually men, Christian leaders, tragically fall from grace. They're exposed as predators, abusers, but they had these incredibly profound Christian ministries. Like the recent, just the last year, we've seen several of the highest profile Christian leaders 
just exposed for living anti-Jesus. And yet they had the most powerful ministries in the world and people were experiencing the spirit through their influence. And people are reeling right now. Like, how do I process this? He's my favorite apologist or my favorite like pastor or speaker. I thought he was gifted by the spirit to lead people to Jesus. To which Paul would say, they were absolutely, 100%. There just came a point where it became sorcery. I don't mean like Harry Potter, like expecto Patronus with a wand. What I mean is like the gift became the goal instead of God. The gift became the end. And, and the temptation was, hey, I'm gifted and I'm so gifted that I can actually float myself. And I don't need, and I can compromise here. Oh, I got away with that. And people still were transformed by Jesus. I can get away with this. Oh, people are still, but it's not. The spirit, it becomes less of the spirit of God and more. Just He's just gifted. The temptation for gifted people, which is you, all of us, because each of us has spiritual gifting. The temptation for anyone with a gift, which is everyone in the family of Jesus, is to let go of faithfulness to Jesus as long as we keep impressing people. Through our prayer, we show up to all the services and we raise our hands and like we have knowledge of the Bible, we're preaching, we can lead worship, a mean worship set where people's hands go up, but we don't have to root our whole life in all of the teachings of Jesus because we can just be gifted. So whether it's Simon the Sorcerer or one of these high profile Christian leaders or any one of us, in the body of Christ. The high profile are just visible so everybody knows about them. Every one of us have a divine deposit that the Spirit wants to animate by his power to reveal Jesus in the world. And we're tempted to make that the point. I don't need God, I just need the gift. Happens to any of us. So Paul's simple test, is it sorcery or is it the Spirit? Well, it's root and goal. Is the root my whole life says Jesus is Lord and is the goal that Jesus would be declared Lord through this gift. This is Paul's test. So um, this is where Paul starts. Are we okay? You guys with me? You guys with me on that? Um, he says, I don't want you to be uninformed. Check your allegiance. Is your whole life pledging allegiance to Jesus? And now that we're crystal clear on that, Paul's like, let's get to the goods. Paul's gonna list some Holy Spirit stuff that we should be looking for, expecting we should be longing for these things on pins and needles, waiting to see them manifest in us. Right here in our church, prayer nights, community nights, verse four, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, everyone, it's the same God at work. So Paul's main point here, write this down. If, you, if that's how you roll, write it down. We are diverse in our gifts and united in the spirit. Diverse in gifts, united in the spirit. He uses three different words here and they all kind of mean the same thing, but they draw out different aspects of the gifts we have. Verse four, he literally uses the word gifts in Greek. And this is in reference to any ability you have, any ability that the spirit can pick up, animate, magnify, and repurpose to carry on the work of Jesus. This is any spirit empowered ability that's used in any ministry of the church, okay? These can range from like supernatural miracles that you can only attribute to divine intervention in the moment, like interfering with the natural order of the universe, or 
administration and serving and helping and helping people in the church manage their finances so they can be more generous. Like these are the gifts of the spirit and they're empowered by the third person of the Trinity to reveal the father's love through the work of Jesus. And then he says service. There's gifts and there's service. What's that? Oh, it's a place. We think it's a place or office. It's more of an appointed role. Um, When you're called and identified as a leader or fulfilling some kind of elder or pastoral or deacon role or whatever, um, these are Christians that are identified to serve the church. And all these roles are spirit-empowered. And then he has a third category of workings, gifts, ministries, workings. What are those? Another general term, but it's more about energy. So it's the things the spirit energizes in the church to make much of Jesus, to maximize Jesus and his visibility in the church. So you guys, so much diversity here, like endless diversity. And God wants to animate you to live into the tapestry that is his family in this church by the spirit. Diverse gifts to each one, one God visible through all at once. That is what's happening here. And this is the opposite of how our culture operates, right? Our culture tries to create algorithms to sell you something tailored perfectly to your tastes and likings. But in doing this, Facebook and Google have only divided us. If any of you have been paying attention in the last year, those algorithms have not been the best thing for humanity. In the kingdom of God, the Holy Spirit does the opposite. He empowers each of us not to cater to each other, but to contribute your hardwired uniqueness into the diverse family of Jesus so that one God, his harmony, his song can be sung that the whole world longs to hear. A world that is longing for belonging and certainty and truth and solidness. We have that hope in our blood by the spirit. And so Paul lists these gifts. He's gonna list very practically (laughs) nine things that we can do by the power of the spirit. Are you ready? There's plenty of debate over these things. Um, the goal isn't to define them perfectly and have the best definition that all, any Christian has because there's a lot of ongoing dialogue about what these gifts can look like. Um, the goal isn't to define them perfectly, but to practice them faithfully, as faithfully as we can, in love. The goal being the Father's love will be poured out. Like Aaliyah quoted Paul this morning, that the Father's love would be poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That's the goal. Ready, verse seven. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. To one, there's given through the spirit a message of wisdom or word of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge, word of knowledge by the same spirit. So we have two gifts right off the bat, word of wisdom, word of knowledge. Any of these things sound familiar to you? Grew up in, I don't know, charismatic, reform, I don't know, different, different backgrounds of Christianity react to this conversation differently and for many reasons. And, and what we're trying to do is live these out faithfully as the body of Jesus in the world. So first, what's word of wisdom? Spiritual gift. There's two ways this shows up in scripture and in experience. Number one, word of wisdom can be the spirit-empowered ability to take the truth of scripture and just practically apply it to everyday life. Just natu- like supernaturally gifted, wise people 
who are able to always be thinking biblically and be like those solid tethers for your community. That's that person you call who's just gonna tell you how it is and lead you in the right way. We all have, hopefully, these people in our lives. An example, in Acts 6, one of the job requirements of a deacon in the church, that's one of the servant offices in the church, is that they are, quote, full of the spirit and wisdom. This is an everyday spiritual wisdom thing. It often can come with age and time living with Jesus. But listen, as many of us know, not everyone who is old is wise. Um, Some of the wisest people I know are younger than me. And I see counsel from them regularly, just dripping in wisdom that just deeply resonates with my soul. When I'm like, this is a hard situation. What do you say to this? And then they'll just tie together truth that's not dogmatic, but wise. It's a spiritual gift of wisdom. Um, also, word of wisdom can be, it, it can be wisdom in that, but it can also be an in the moment manifestation of a God-given insight into your mind, <laughs> like into your spirit. From, like Paul prays that we would do this in Ephesians 1, in verse 17, he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. That's always the goal, by the way, so that Jesus is Lord becomes the declaration so that you will know him better. And Paul prays we'd have these like spontaneous bursts of revelation by the Holy Spirit that we would not have otherwise had in the moment. And this happens regularly, regularly, you guys, in our nights of prayer and in listening prayer through community. As our, we like to practice this as a staff once in a while when we put someone in the hot seat in the middle of the room and put chairs around them and just begin silently listening and then speaking biblical insight in ways that touch places in their lives we would never have come up with except by the Spirit. God wants to reveal his wisdom and his love to you and then through, like through you in powerful ways. This is who God wants us to be. And so then word of wisdom, now word of knowledge. That's the second gift. At least two ways this shows up, you guys. Word of knowledge, what is this? The spirit-empowered ability to research, remember, and make effective use of information, especially in teaching situations. That's a spiritual gift God can animate. Paul says there are many kinds of gifts. This shows up through spirit-empowered teachers who are able to pull together just like, I would have never seen that connection, like five different connections in a very effective, applicable, I can take that home. I can do that on Monday. That's a gift of word of knowledge. It's a manifestation of it. I have a friend who's spoken here a couple times, John Mark Comer, one of the most gifted teachers I've ever heard in my life. He can just pull together 20 strands from Bible and culture and whatever, you name it. And it comes together in this practice that I can do that makes sense and locates me in God's kingdom. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so simple. I won't even say profound. It's so and one of the guys on our, t- on our staff who has, I believe, the gift of word of knowledge is Scott Curran. He's barely 24 and he's already way better than me at this stuff. Like he can pull things together. And I'm like, oh yeah, can you uh, make sure that you give me some notes from a sermon? Like, and he is uh, gifted in the spiritual gift word of knowledge. But there's also the more impromptu way that this comes out, which is if you grew up Pentecostal, I grew up like semi-Pentecostal. <laughs> and... Um, And so this second way was the way I heard it always, which I still see happen. Um, 
it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a word of knowledge that is the spirit-given piece of information that couldn't have been known without the Spirit's help. It happened to Jesus in John 4. Uh, Jesus is speaking to the woman at the well. And Jesus is like, bring me your husband. I want to talk. And she's like, I have no husband. And he's like, you've spoken rightly that you have no husband for you have had five husbands and the one you live with now is not your husband for you are correct. And she's like, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. And, uh, and, and, they, and they go on. And the, what was the goal of that story? That this woman would bring Jesus's Lord to Samaria, right? The first evangelist in the Bible is this woman empowered by the spirit of God who Jesus ministered to by the spirit. Remember, he's a perfectly spirit-filled human, also God uniquely, but he spoke a word of knowledge that he could not have known except through the spirit. So um, I've seen this happen. The number of times just I've lost count. So I'm just gonna tell you the most recent time, if that's okay. I love telling fresh stories of God moving and we should expect those stories. I'd love to get to the point where we have like a three-week rule. Don't tell a story of God doing anything miraculous unless it's three weeks or younger in our church because we want to expect these things to happen. So here's, here's the last. Last Tuesday, so we FaceTimed our oldest son, Gavin. He's at YWAM, Youth with a Mission. They have bases all over the world where they train uh, people to be missionaries or deciphering their calling. And so he's at YWAM. And one of the projects they had him do was to partner up with someone and pray and expect a word of knowledge for another person in the school and then speak it boldly. And so they did. Gavin got a couple words. He got some words. He got like rest. He's like super Chris. So it's like rest and like strength, peace, Christian words, you know, it's like, I got these words. And then his partner uh, in, the, in the project, a guy named Lewis, who's a German, native speaking German, he's like, I, I have a word, roller coaster. <laughs> and, and Gavin's like, that's weird, that's not a thing. And then he's like, no, 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 sorry, English word, not roller coaster, train. That's the English word, train. And Gavin's like, that's still weird, man. And so, and whatever, he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to share it. And so they were assigned a number to a person and the number matched this girl. So like, okay. So they went to the girl and Gavin's like, yeah, I, I, I was praying and I got like rest and strength and like peace. God wants this for you. <laughs> and she's like, cool, cool, cool. Uh, and then, and then she's like, yeah, thanks. Uh, but then Lewis came, came along and he's like, I, I just, I got, God wants to speak to you about a train and it's moving. And, and she just comes unglued. And it, it's related to this moment of transition in her life that occurred on a train that was a deciphering thing. And there was all this confirmation wrapped around this word of train. This is a simple matter of praying and expecting and then speaking. And we should expect this, you guys, right here, like during the prayer time, after this teaching, we eat and drink. And then we say, what now, God? And then he moves not just Sunday, but in community and also in prayer nights and in normal everyday life. Are you with me? Okay, so we have word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and then Paul groups the next five gifts together. Why do I think it's a group? Because in these nine gifts, uh, Paul divides them up with the Greek word heteros, which means, and another different but similar. So he groups it up in two, five, two based on these words. And so these five here, are all under the, the banner of faith. If you see verse nine, 
he starts with faith as a gift. So he says, to another faith by the same spirit, to another healing, to another miraculous powers and prophecy and distinguishing between spirits. So those five things, and they all come after faith. So what is the gift of faith? Do I have it? Do you have it? Everyone must have faith to be saved. We know this. Faith in God leads to salvation. But here Paul's talking about a special measure of faith to believe God and see him respond for things we wouldn't otherwise envision. And some of these things that we believe God for is like healings and miracles. And Paul makes those plural because there's different kinds. There's spirit with healing, you guys. There's different kinds of spiritually empowered healing. Christian doctors, like, filled with the spirit to heal people through professional medical work, like spirit-empowered professional healing where Christian doctors and therapists practice this regularly. That is a spiritually empowered gift. And there's also what we would consider more miraculous healing, which may happen anytime, often in your life or rarely, or, or if ever. And if you want to dig deeper into divine healing, we did a two-part sermon on this last summer in our Holy Spirit series entitled, Does God Heal Today? It's still on the podcast. Highly recommend you dig into it. But moving on, under faith, he also lists prophecy. What is prophecy? Simply put, speaking a word from God. It's prophecy. So whether you prepare the word for months through study and prayer, or it's, boom, spontaneous in the moment, prophecy is speaking a word from God. How do you know if it's from God? How do you know? Well, right after prophecy, you get the gift of discerning prophecy in the spirits. I love that the spirit equipped us fully for life together, right? So this is actually the job of leaders in the church, discerning the spirits. Is this prophecy? Is this word? Is it from God? Where'd it come from? Is it from God or from some human brain only or worse? What's the source of this word? And I just want to say, this is the messy process of practicing the spiritual gifts together. We believe this is why God has created churches with like elders and authority and leadership and spiritual direction. One of the ways we see this, you guys, is in community, like the number one way. Someone speaks a word over you. Maybe it's at a prayer night or someone says like, hey, I just see God saying this over you and you're supposed to be this and you're that and it's going to be awesome. And you're like, dang, that's a huge weight. <laughs> like what just happened? That's a lot of calling. Uh, it, maybe some of that's good. Maybe some of that's pressure unnecessarily. Or, and so you go to your community or you go to your pastors or leaders and you start saying, hey, I got this word. Someone spoke this over me. Can, can we discern this together? And then the Holy Spirit begins to give you a gift, which is discerning the spirits through community. This is why we do church. One of the many reasons. We want to see the love of God truly and just do our best to walk through the mess together. And there will always be mess. Listen, as we pursue the gifts of the Spirit this year and our nights of prayer and all of that, there's bound to be awkward times challenges, awkward moment, like swing and a miss, hardcore. <laughs> like someone, you're just like, whoa, that was not. But listen, as we trust the spirit to speak and move through each of us and provide discernment through leaders and committed community, we will push through the awkward into encountering Jesus' love together. 
As my, one of my friends up north, uh, Brian, told me, like, the awesome is in the awkward. <laughs> and, and that is true when it comes to boldly, not, not church is a spectator sport, but like, I am here to light up activity of God in the life of others. This is why you are all here. This is why you're here. Okay? So, uh, and then Paul comes to the final two gifts. You ready? Verse 10. He says, to another are given speaking in different kinds of tongues. Speaking in tongues. And to still another, interpretation of tongues. All right, guys. Gift of tongues. This is not controversial anywhere. So, there's, every, all of us know exactly what to do with that every day. So, so, but, but the gift of tongues, there's a lot to disagree on in practice, but pretty much all Christians agree the gift of tongues is the spirit-empowered ability to pray or praise God in languages unknown to the user. Um, the definition is pretty much agreed on. How it's and when it shows up is where the disagreement is. But in 1 Corinthians 14, we're going to see tongues are spoken to God and prophecy is spoken to humans. All for love and unity. All for seeing more of the Spirit poured out. And for both prophecy and tongues, there's, a, there's like a balancing gift for each. For prophecy, there's discerning the prophets. And for tongues, there's interpreting the tongues in the gathering. Understand. So, um, why does Paul save these for last on the list? Is it because they're least important? No, actually in chapter 14, <laughs> we're going to see that tongues was the most problematic gift in Corinth. It's the one they were just totally missing or worshiping or something. Uh, so he puts tongues at the end of this list to say like, hey, let's save this for later. I'm going to give a ton of real estate to tongues and we're going to go through this March 14th and 21st, a two-parter on tongues and prophecy. Y'all are here for this. I know it. It's what you're waiting for. And so that's our list from word of wisdom and knowledge to faith miracles, healings, prophecy, tongues, interpretation, and all of this, you guys, Paul rounds it out and says, the Spirit gives these however and to whomever he wants. Look at verse 11. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one. That's you. And how? However he determines. That's how. It's God. It's not originating in you. And Paul's going to get clearer later on. But for now, listen, can you take comfort in this? No single gift is supposed to be universal. Understand that. It's not like, hey, everyone should get a word of knowledge right now. This is Word of Knowledge Sunday. Um, everyone should be able to access miraculous healing. And if you don't, you need more faith. Or like, everyone should be speaking in tongues if they're really intimate with God. Like, listen... Many people have been so wounded by that. My wife, Sandy, tells a story for when she was a kid in junior high camp or whatever. A pastor prayed over her to speak in tongues because she went and said, like, I desire it, so pray for me that I have the gift. I want to speak and pray in tongues. And, then, and so the pastor, he's like, okay, Sandy, if you have the Holy Spirit... And go ahead, do it right now. Like, if you have the Spirit, just say, come, Holy Spirit... And then like, let it bubble up and just feel that. Just let that feel and just go, speak, come on. And, and, and she's like, nope, nothing. And so he's like visibly concerned. And he's like, sounds like you need to desire it more. 
like meaning it well, I made it sound really sinister, <laughs> but like, but like, so kind of like, it sounds like, it sounds like you need to desire it. Like you need more passion. You don't desire it enough. Let's pray for more desire. And it's just a little hamster wheel they went on for a little bit. And little junior high Sandy went away feeling less than. And so to this day, she's still like kind of triggered in this conversation. As I imagine some of you are with various backgrounds. Um, And it wasn't until the past year that someone on our team spoke into Sandy's life so beautifully. Like, you mean you were a kid going to an adult man to ask the Holy Spirit that you can't see? To speak languages you don't know? I think you wanted it. Like, (laughs) I think you desired it. Like, that's, be affirmed. That's amazing. Like, God smiles at that. And so she's like, oh, I found healing in that. I hope that is healing for many of you. Because Paul specifically says, no single gift was ever intended to be universal for every single, and anyone who says otherwise has an issue with Paul here because it's God who distributes as he wishes to each. And so we realize here that the spiritual gifts and spiritual experiences can be abused. And maybe that's part of your story. And our heart here at Park Hill is to create space where we can experience these gifts with trusted leaders and with room to mess up, to swing and miss and sometimes connect and hit a foul ball or whatever without fear of anyone dying or any lives being ruined because we want a culture of Jesus is Lord where the love of the Father is being actively poured out through the Spirit in others. That's what we want blessing or prophecy or words of knowledge in humility for the building up of the church, the unity of God's people. So the world that is fractured and divided, needing belonging, sees where belonging truly is located. Again, he gives the gifts the way he wants, flows from the same source, Jesus is Lord. And we're coming to the end now, this is, this is it. I'm excited for Aaliyah to unpack the rest of this chapter next week. She's going to go through the whole rest of 1 Corinthians 12. Highly recommend you read on from verse um, 13 on. But for now, you guys, as we get ready to sing, we're going to sing and we're going to ask the Spirit to come. And He's good. He's good. And we're going to come to the table because, listen, the table is the central act of the Spirit in the gathering of the church. The table is where the spirit wants us to see how the father poured his love out into our lives very concretely through the body of the son. And so before we get there, three things, three observations, you guys. Number one, Jesus wants this charismatic, kind of a baggage-laden word, but it just means gift-filled. Jesus wants this charismatic community. He wants this kind of people, you guys. If you're hearing all these things, you're like, this is crazy. It's not really. Um, Although it is, for introverts, it can feel that way. (laughs) I I think I found out the last couple weeks, I am a legit introvert. I'm just outgoing. Um, I'm an outgoing introvert. I'm not an outgoing extrovert because around people, I tend to just want to shrivel after a certain amount of time. Um, And the spirit, that's why it's, I can't even believe I'm up here right now. but Jesus wants a, a spirit-driven, gift-diverse community of love where Jesus is Lord is our baseline. And so chances are you're probably responding to this based on your upbringing 
and you're like feeling all kinds of feelings and, or maybe you're like a new believer, like you're not even a Christian or you're just starting to check out Jesus and you're like, this is wild, but like I'm super down, no baggage. I'm like in, I don't know what this will be, but I'm in. Um, love that, that's great. So whatever your background, it is clear as day that Paul pictures a community where the spirit is operating powerfully, tangibly through these gifts of healing and miracles and prophetic language over each other's lives. We wanna grow in this here, you guys. We wanna grow in it. Um, we're gonna be chasing this together all year. And listen, if you are committed to taking Paul's vision as a model, then ask the Spirit right now. Before we come to the table, ask the Spirit, honestly, how are you calling me to open myself more radically to the possibility that these manifestations of the Spirit are not only real, but bursting at the seams in our midst? And God wants me to be a part of that. Are you willing to come open for that? Are you willing to come expecting that? This is where we are called to go as Park Hill Church. I have no idea how we can read this passage and not think we're being called deeper into the spirit, okay? So number one, Jesus wants this kind of community. And number two, Jesus wants this to be a actual community, <laughs> like emphasis community. Are you part of a community group? Have you made that like verbal covenant and even like physical covenant with a community where I'm here, I'm in. I'm saying yes to the call uh, of the Lord through the leadership. This is what it means to be part of this church, I'm in. I'm gonna gather, I'm gonna gather in communities, I'm gonna serve, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna be part of what God is doing 100%. Is that who you are? Is that what you've committed to? Um, because none of these gifts are just for our own isolated benefit, willy-nilly, off in the distance somewhere. They're always for the benefit of someone else. That's what they are, always right here. Each of us diversely gifted, one spirit animating for someone else in the room, for someone else. Who is it? We're gonna end this gathering with you listening to the spirit and, and responding towards someone else maybe. No pressure, no, like, we're not gonna, like, assign you numbers like my son in YWAM got, like, number assignments, which is amazing. It's, like, next level. SWAT team stuff, spirit stuff. But this is just, like, listen and respond. And then, and then number three, finally, is the confession, Jesus is Lord, your true confession? Like, all the way down. Like, is the root of your life... I submit to the authority of Jesus through the scriptures in my sexuality, in my relationships, in, with my money, with what goes on in my mind and my body and my social, everything. Is Jesus, Jesus is Lord. Is that your driving motto? If not, come confess, come to the table and confess and receive forgiveness and align yourself with the heart of God. And if you're not a Christian, Confess and be welcomed into the forever family of the Spirit. That's the invitation. And then watch the Spirit animate you in love from day one. So, so when we, we love like Holy Spirit come, we say that a lot, right? And we're going we're gonna to pray it. We're going to pray it for the rest of our life. But Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll testify of me. So what do we think when we pray, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit come, we're like power. I just want the power. Like, what do you think will happen? 
What do you think the goal of that is? It's to reground us in Jesus is Lord and to reorient all of our agendas to make sure Jesus is Lord is the confession of everyone around us. Is this the orientation of your life? So uh, that, that's it. This is the kind of community Jesus wants. And we're going to say Jesus is Lord around the table right now. And we're going to sing. So if you could, um, feel free to just kind of clear off your laps or even stand. Feel free to stand or kneel or however, however you most get focused on what it is God wants to do here. And let's just pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for showing us your love through the life of Jesus and then sending the Spirit so that we can be united with Christ, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Thank you.